0: Now, when it was late that same day, the first of the week, and the doors were shut where the disciples were gathered together for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be to you. The apostles are huddled together in the upper room. They've locked the door. They're hiding away in fear from the very people that they should be trying to evangelize. And we're told that Jesus came. The verbs attached to the divine name can be very powerful. Jesus comes. He comes into our life in all sorts of moments. And he comes also in special moments. This retreat is meant to be one of those special moments when Jesus comes into your life and speaks to you in the depth of your soul, hopefully helping you to see new horizons, new goals, things that need to be changed, helps you to set out again on your journey towards holiness and also gives you great encouragement for your apostolate. The very presence of Jesus in the upper room was very encouraging for the apostles. He sends them out again to begin to convert the world. And he stood in the midst of them. Our Lord comes right into the center of the people that he's speaking to. And his first words were words of peace. Our Lord could have launched into a great discourse. He could have given out to them for abandoning him on the cross. He could have called them all the things he called the Pharisees, you brood of vipers, you whitewashed walls. But our Lord comes with words of peace. He comes to put them back together again, to lift them up, to encourage them, to help them to set out again on their journey. And this is part of the process of his conversion of the apostles, from being the weak human beings that they were, to becoming great saints and great apostles. And in many ways, that's the meaning of our life. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Our Lord gives them the proof of who he is, his DNA, his wounds. The disciples, therefore, were glad when they saw the Lord. He therefore said to them again, Peace be to you. Our Lord emphasizes the words of peace. He wants us to have a great peace in our soul, an interior peace so that we can bring that peace to other people first and foremost to our marriage, to our families, to our environment. As the father has sent me, I also send you. And so immediately he talks to them about mission. He is sent and they are being sent. These days are an opportunity for us to think of our mission. God has sent me as a spouse as a parent, as a worker, as a Christian, into this world, into the environment where I am, into this profession. And there he wants me to lift up the spiritual temperature. And so our Lord invites the apostles and each one of us to have a great sense of mission. Why am I here? What's the purpose of my existence? John Paul II, in many of his encyclicals, says that there are three key questions that people must keep asking themselves all throughout their life. Where do I come from? Where am I going? What is my life all about? And he says on the answers to those three questions, to a large extent, the happiness that we will encounter in this world. Our Lord wants us to know the answers to those questions. And these days of prayer and of formation will hopefully lead us along that pathway. We can give great importance to these hours and days. One of the greatest things we can do for our family is to spend a few days like this every year reviewing all of these key questions of our life and of our mission. There was a mother once who went in a retreat and the father took a few days off work to look after their five-year-old little girl. He wasn't very good at this, but he did his best. And the retreat began on a Thursday night and the following day, every hour on the hour, the little girl asked, where's my mummy? When is my mummy coming home? Why isn't my mummy here? And the father had this every hour on the hour, all of Friday, all Saturday. And by Friday, <coughs> by Saturday evening, he was totally exhausted. And so in a rather belligerent tone, he said to his little girl, your mummy has gone to talk with God. And the little girl took a big deep breath. Ah, my mummy has gone to talk with God. That's very important as much as to say why didn't you tell me that before and she said if my mummy has gone to talk with god well she must be saying very important things to god and maybe some of it is about me and if my mummy is talking to god well god must also be talking to my mummy And he must be saying some very important things. And maybe some of it is about me. And so there wasn't a sound out of the child for the next 24 hours until her mom came home. The father was very sorry he hadn't thought of that earlier. And so we are here to talk with God and to listen to him. And maybe many great things depend On this conversation, new horizons, new beginnings, new communications, all sorts of wonderful things. We have no idea how God wants to use us in all sorts of ways. The great plans that he has for our life, for our marriage, for our work, for our apostolate, The retreat is a time to make a new beginning, to wipe the slate clean, perhaps to make a resolution of a deep confession, to let the waters of grace reach the deeper inner recesses of our soul. That soul which comes to occupy the whole position for a while, because ultimately our soul is the most important. Our soul is going to live forever. The immortality of the soul is one of the key truths of our faith. When was the last time in a book, in a movie, in a newspaper article that you heard the soul mentioned? All the great religions of the world talk about the spiritual nature of man. Hinduism, Buddhism, Islam, Judaism, Christianity. Only modern materialism says that man has no soul. And that's the message we get from the modern world. In a recent document on the Amazon, Pope Francis has talked about the spiritual emptiness of the world. Another interesting phrase. Spiritual emptiness of the world because it's as though the world has forgotten the soul the spiritual nature of man, which holds the meaning and the key to so many questions of our existence. And so your soul in the eyes of God is very important. And The care you take of your soul is very important. And to a large extent, the care that you take of your soul may depend the care that is taken of the souls of your children. And so try to give a lot of importance and make a resolution to give greater care to your soul. And so we're here these days to pray, to read, to think and to change. Perhaps to prepare a deep confession or spiritual direction. Everybody on the goal of success needs a a helper or a trainer or a guide. It's one resolution we could take from these days. These days are also meant to be days of silence. Silence where we listen to God in the interior of our soul. We appreciate the things of God around us a little more. Because sometimes God may speak very loudly in our soul, but sometimes God also whispers and we need to listen to him in silence. Silence is difficult, but it enables man to let himself be led by God. From silence, a recent author says, is born silence. Through God the silence, we can attain silence. And man is unceasingly surprised by the light that pours forth then. In some ways, silence is more important than any other human work because it expresses God. The true revolution comes from silence. It leads us towards God and others so as to place us humbly and generously at their service. And so we need a certain silence in our life to gather ourselves a little more. To look at the birds of the air, as our Lord, uh, birds of the tree, birds of the air, uh, as our Lord tells us in St. Matthew. They neither sow or reap or gather into barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. And so it's very salutary that we stop occasionally and look at nature. God is the author of nature. And from looking at his creation will we discover him behind it. Through this divine silence, man becomes a bit estranged from this world. He is separated from the earth and from himself. Silence impels us towards an unknown land that is God. And this land becomes our true homeland. Through silence, we return to our heavenly origin, where there is nothing but calm, peace, repose, silent contemplation and adoration of the face of God. All the great saints were familiar with this incomparable experience. When their prayers led them to the threshold of the eternal one silence, they sensed how close and immense God became. They remained wordlessly in the presence of the father. The more they ascended towards God, the more silent they became. And so we could try to take care of the spirit of silence during these days. We're told in the book of Ecclesiastes that there's a time for everything. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. St. Gregory of Nyssa says that this time of silence is mentioned first. Because by silence, we learn the art of speaking well. And so great fruits may come from our periods of silence. we are help to see the pieces of the jigsaw puzzle of our life. Possibly the Holy Spirit communicates to us some idea or helps to put in place something that happened in our past or helps us to see some event, our marriage, our family, some cross, in the context of the whole of our life and of our journey towards holiness and apostolate. All these things may help us to be more effective as a Christian in the world and to learn again how to be like a little child before God Unless you become like little children, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. And so one of the goals of our life is to be childlike. helps us to begin again. Little children, they fall down easily, but they get up again. Often they make a mess, but they learn how to start over. So every moment of our life and every occasion is a good moment for starting over for being more youthful for trying again for listening to the words of our Lord who says to us come to me all you who labor and are heavy burdened and I will give you rest we all need rest for our souls a rest that gives us energy for the future, for the challenges, for the battles, for the uphill struggles. fulgent Sheen likes to say that there are three persons inside each one of us. The person that other people see, the person that we see, and the person that God sees. We have to get through those two outer layers in order to reach the third. And so we need an uh, an examination of conscience. Examine our life. Examine our heart. Examine the deep, murky corners of our soul. What am I really like? Have I discovered those things that our Lord has told us that lurk in the human heart? Envy, jealousy, anger, lust, sloth, gluttony so that we bring these things out and we let the grace of God get in. These days are good days to make an act of contrition. An act of contrition for the past, for all the ways in which we may have offended God, knowingly and unknowingly. And particularly for all our acts of negligence, when we didn't care enough, and we were careless, and we didn't think. We can tell our Lord that we want a whole new Pentecost. So that just like the apostles changed completely with the coming of Jesus, with the coming of the Holy Spirit, that we may too may bring about a great jump in quality in our spiritual life. A more fierce, serious focusing on the goal of our Christian vocation, holiness and apostolate and the meaning of where we find ourselves in this particular moment of history in my marriage, in my family, in my work and so we come to this retreat for a conversion to turn our life inside out Blessed Cardinal Newman said to live is to change to be perfect is to change often and our Lord said to the apostles come after me and I will make you into fishers of men he didn't say you will make yourself into fishers of men I will make you with my graces with my touching here and there with the ideas that I give you we can tell our Lord Like St. Peter, you know all things. You know that I love you. You know that I want to love you. You know that I want to change. I want to be better. And it doesn't matter what situation we may be in, what may have happened in the past, what baggage we may be carrying. This is the moment that God has given to us. make that radical change you might say well i came to this retreat because i do a retreat every year or because my friend has invited me or because my spouse has forced me or you might say well actually i came to this retreat by mistake I, i i came through the wrong gate this morning and i found myself here well whatever reason it is that has brought us here behind All those exterior reasons. The real reason we're here is because God has wanted us to be here. He may have used a friend or a spouse or a mistake or a whole pile of things to bring us here. But if we're here, it's because God has something to say to us. He wants that new conversion. When our Lord invited the apostles to come after him, and to become fishers of men. That was their first conversion. But later on, there were further conversions. And each of the first further conversions were, were more important. Feed my lambs, feed my sheep. Conversions to a deeper responsibility, a deeper humility. Conversions from the material to the spiritual. Conversions from being a Martha to being more of a Mary. And so we enter into our first conversion, and then we discover there are deeper layers of conversion. And in all of this, we discover the mission that God has given to us. The problem may be that we see ourselves as already converted but at the Last Supper, the apostles were still not fully converted. They were arguing with each other about who was to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Amen, Amen, I, I say to you, unless the grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it brings forth much fruit. He that loves his life shall lose it. And he that hates his life will keep it into life eternal. Conversion is a new birth. It's not just a change, but a development. From humility to a more profound humility, from faith to a deeper faith. We can spend time actively running around the place, doing things, but yet covering up areas that need conversion. And eventually all those things catch up with us. We need a spiritual conversion to grow in our love of God. A moral conversion to be more Christ-like. An apostolic conversion to focus more on others. We're told in the story of the Passion how when the cock crowed, Peter remembered our Lord's prediction that he would deny him. And we're told in that moment that the Lord turned and looked upon Peter. It was the lowest moment of Peter's existence. He denies our Lord. He almost does what Judas did. And yet Peter was the one that was chosen to be the rock. Chosen to be the rock, but he turns out to be anything but a rock. And so he turns and looks upon Peter, their eyes meet. And that was a whole new beginning for Peter. And so in all of our lives, there is that second look, that new conversion. And from that very low moment, Peter, who represents the whole of weak humanity, goes on to become the great saint and the great apostle. St. Ambrose says, Jesus, look upon us when we are weak, for your look sets us right again. The whole process of beginning again can bring up a great joy. We get a second wind. We launch out into the deep. We excavate new layers of untold spiritual wealth. There's a phrase in the preface of the Sacred Heart that says we draw water in joy from the wells of salvation. Beautiful words. We learn how to come back again and again to that Sacred Heart of Christ. To draw that water in joy from the wells of salvation have our faith confirmed. Aristotle liked to say that the supreme good of human life is to focus on the highest being. The supreme good of human life is to focus on the highest being. So the ultimate philosophical activity for human beings in this life is to contemplate the divine So there is no greater activity that we can be involved in these days than trying to contemplate the divine. Euripides used to say that wisdom enters through silence. In the forge we're told that Lazarus rose because he heard the voice of God and immediately wanted to get out of the situation he was in. If he hadn't wanted to move, he would just have died again. A sincere resolution to have faith in God always, to hope in God always, to love God always. He never abandons us, even if we're rotting away as Lazarus was. And so we can thank our Lord for giving us this opportunity This period of silence, of formation, of prayer, to use it well. A heart in silence, we're told, is a melody for the heart of God. The lamp is consumed noiselessly before the tabernacle, and incense ascends in silence to the throne of God. Such is the sound of the silence of love. Pope St. John Paul II liked to refer to Our Lady as the Woman of Silence. She kept all these things carefully in her heart. In the whole of the Gospels, Our Lady almost says nothing, except for they have no wine. Mary, may you help us to use these days very fruitfully in your company, so that you may whisper things into our soul and into our heart, using the silence of this occasion. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations that you have communicated to me during this meditation. I ask your help to put them into practice. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.